0: Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your host, Bridget Spackman.
1: And Michelle Ferre. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher.
0: This is going to be our final episode on the Q&A series. And today, we're going to be sharing all about your productivity questions.
1: But first, let's share a TSH, or time-sucking hurdle, from Dana. Dana's time-sucking hurdle is being indecisive. I have so many things that I want to get done, but I have a hard time picking what to work on. They all seem so important, but now I am not doing much of anything to get prepared for school. We totally understand this. I think as teachers, because we have so much on our plates, it feels like we have to be doing everything at once. Hopefully, today's episode is really going to help you break down and decide what is important and what you should be working on first.
0: So let's go ahead and jump right on into it. Um, But first, a reminder that if you haven't heard the other Q&A series um, episodes, definitely go back and check them out. Episode 30 is going to be all about your time management questions and episode 32 is going to be on your organization. So let's go ahead and jump into that very first question. This one is coming from jamie.nicole and The question is, is how have you changed your ability methods of top since your first years of teaching?
1: So I think personally, I'm going to break it down by top, you know, time management, organization, productivity. In terms of time management, When I first started teaching, I spent a lot of time doing things I didn't need to be doing. I didn't prioritize what was actually important in terms of lesson planning and all of that. I very much focused on the frivolous things like creating labels and things I didn't need to be doing. In terms of organization, I would say most of it has stayed the same, but one thing I've really embraced is organizing things digitally and having less physical papers and definitely less binders. (laughs) I had a lot of binders my first year. And in terms of productivity, I think I used to rely a lot on more motivation rather than discipline. And if I didn't feel like doing it, I wouldn't. But now I try to rely on that discipline of, look, I said I was going to do this, so I need to do it even if I don't feel like it.
0: No, I think those are really great tips. And I think... Um, a lot of the things that you mentioned are things that I have definitely put into place. But I, for me, I think it's more of just that simplicity piece. Um, you know how at the at the beginning of every like new year, everybody comes up with like a word, and it's yes. this word that you try to live by. And I feel like for the past like three or four years, it's completely been like minimizing simplicity, um, anything that has to do with like just reducing the amount of things is what I feel like so for me when it comes to like organization productivity it's all deciding you know how can I really simplify it to make it more meaningful for me and for my life Um, and that goes with my time too and with having boys like just needing to be able to spend more time with that I'm realizing more and more as I'm getting older they're growing up very very fast so I just kind of think of how can I make life more simple for myself
1: I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> the next question is from Kelsey O. She says, SPED teacher here. How do you balance the paperwork and lesson planning period? So with paperwork, I would have to say that I utilize an inbox system.
0: And for me, it's going to be that everything goes within that inbox. Now, I'm pretty blessed in the fact that I don't have a ton of papers that I'm dealing with on a regular day because we try to keep pretty much everything fairly paperless with having iPads in the classroom. Um, But for my lesson planning period, it's all pretty much digital at this point. And I think it's been a really rough transition for me trying to go digital and trying to kind of figure out what works for me and what doesn't. Um, But I really like where I'm coming at with my digital planning. And I just kind of keep everything within their folders. And then I have it organized by units. And that has really helped me be able to cut down the amount of time that I'm spending looking for things. What about you?
1: I definitely agree with the paperwork having a system. And personally, what works for me is having a place for everything. So when I get a paper, if it's something I need to take care of that day, I have a bin for it. If it's a paper I need to file, I have a bin for it. And that definitely helps to reduce the amount of papers that are living on my desk. In terms of lesson planning, I have also embraced digital lesson planning. But in terms of balancing my lesson planning period, I would say one thing that has worked for me is dedicating certain days to certain tasks, meaning maybe on Monday, I'm going to sit down and actually plan out my lessons like on paper. Maybe on Tuesday, I'm going to go make all the copies. Wednesday, I'm going to create my slides. Thursday, I'm going to gather all the materials. And then by Friday, I'm done. <laughs> so that is just something that has really worked for me. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Okay, so the next question comes from Teach Until Content. And the question is How do you manage to grade writing assignments in a timely fashion? And writing was like something that you were doing last year. So,
1: yeah, I (laughs) didn't realize how much writing assignments just were horrible to grade. Now, I had taught writing when I taught second grade, but grading second graders writing is very different than grading fourth graders writing, and it is definitely very time consuming. So a couple of little tricks that have helped me. First of all, I created stamps. So if you go on Amazon, you can customize a stamp with whatever text you want. And I created stamps for comments that I felt like I was making all the time. So instead of handwriting it on their paper, because most of my writing was done on actual paper it wasn't digital and that stamp saved me so much time and I would also say having a rubric I mean that's going to speed up your grading by just infinite amounts but then that way you can mark right on the rubric and then just staple it to their paper so again you're not rewriting things constantly because that's going to really slow you down what about you Bridget because you've been grading writing a lot longer than me
0: Yeah, I would say rubrics, they go a really long way. And if you're utilizing the rubric that has like the point system, so it's like based off of like a four, three, two, one or however you want to define it. um, Those allow you to really kind of say, all right, what specifically am I looking for? And it's way easier to be able to kind of track them. Now, I will say the rubrics themselves are very time consuming and having to create Um, but once you have that done, it's really easy to go in and just kind of, you know, mark off exactly where the students are and be able to give them some sort of feedback. I personally really enjoy just doing individual conferences instead of having to sit there and write all of my feedback. I just sit down with them for about a minute or two and kind of tell them, hey, here's your grade here. Let me tell you what it is that I would like for you to, you know, improve on for this next time. Let's set a goal together and then we move on from there. So that's been really beneficial for me.
1: Yeah, I would say once you have those rubrics created, it's going to save you so much time later. This next question, I'm probably going to butcher the name. OK, I'm sorry, y'all. It's either B. Lennon Martin or Bellinin Martin or something Martin, (laughs) but they asked, do you answer emails after school hours?
0: You know, I used to, I've always been that teacher that has had their email, you know, despite what, you know, union basically tells you and what you've learned in college that don't put anything personal onto your, you know, don't put school stuff onto your personal devices. But I've always been that teacher that has my email email on my phone. And so I would check it and I would respond to it. Um, This past year, I have to say that I removed my email from my phone and it was a decision that I was like, I had thought I would never get to this point. Um, But I had some very difficult parents that just made life I think I was just more stressed at the end of the day. And so I really just had to say, you know what? I need to just kind of cut it off and I need to just leave school at school because it's carrying over into my personal life and it's really kind of just
1: eating me alive is what it felt like. So I don't anymore. What about you? I try not to. Here's kind of how I approach it. I do have my work email on my phone and I do allow myself to read emails after school hours because I never know if it's a parent contacting me for an emergency reason. I I just don't know. So I will allow myself to open the emails and read them, but I try not to respond unless I absolutely have to and there's very few cases where I actually need to respond right away but otherwise the next morning is when I'll kind of go in answer those emails overnight at the end of the school day I will answer any emails I got during the day and then that is basically it until the next day I'll open them overnight but that's about it.
0: Yeah. And I think right now with the beginning of the school year and things really changing, I feel like things are constantly changing at my school district that I am checking my emails a little bit more. So I feel like I'm going back into that hole. I need to start checking emails, but hopefully once we start to get that routine going, we're in school, we're doing it. I can start kind of saying I have a a cutoff time. So the next question is from On Fire for Choir. I really like that name. That's a good one. I really Um, like it too. The question. Yeah. It's, um, It's really cute. I really like it. So, here's the
1: question How do you prioritize your tasks? I feel like this goes back to the TSH and feeling like you have all the things to do and you don't know where to start because it all seems important. One thing Bridget and I really, really stress is for you to complete what's called the Eisenhower matrix. It's also been called the time management matrix. You can find 10 million different names for it online. It essentially is a four quadrant chart. So, think two columns two rows. Now, the way that we organize it is with the rows being urgent and not urgent, and the columns being important and not important. Now, you would think that you would want to do all of the tasks that are both important and urgent. But in reality, you want to spend most of your time in quadrant three. Those are the tasks that are important, but not urgent. A lot of times, those tasks that are in quadrant one that are both important and urgent, those are things for other people. Your administrator comes to you and needs you to fill out a paper. A parent emails you and needs to get a copy of something. Those tasks, while they are important and they're urgent, they're not really going to move you forward. You're going to feel like a hamster running on a wheel, not really going anywhere. So you want to make sure you're focusing on those tasks that are important but not urgent. I'm going to plug our planner for a second. If you don't know, Bridget and I have developed a top digital planner. So this digital planner includes a lot of the strategies and tips that we are constantly telling you all. So in our mind, it's basically the perfect planner. But in that planner, we actually have a task tracker. And that task tracker has that Eisenhower matrix for you to fill out. So we have a spot for you to kind of brain dump your monthly tasks, your weekly tasks, your daily tasks, and then you can organize them into the matrix. So if you haven't grabbed that yet, make sure you head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com and grab yourself a digital planner. Yeah, I think that's a really great tip. And I um I really
0: do enjoy using the Eisenhower Matrix just to be able to get an idea of what tasks are going to be the most important. The next part that you have to do after that is then utilize those tasks as your power list. So really just focusing on picking out those specific, you know, quadrant 3 tasks and then placing them into your power list. And typically our rule of thumb is to try to have one of your power lists completely blank for something that's unexpected. Um, because you never really know what's going to end up happening in a day. So picking out some of those tasks, put it in, put two of them into your power list, and you're going to feel like you're really starting to move the needle forward, as they say.
1: Yeah, I will just say this past week, I have really been forcing myself to utilize my power list the way that, you know, Bridget and I talk about, because let's be honest, even though we talk about it, there are still times where we struggle to do it because we get busy and yada, yada, yada. But I have really been making it a point this past week, and I feel like I'm getting so much done. So just keep in mind, if you actually do it the way it's supposed to be done, you will feel much better. The next question is from Savannah underscore Watson. How far in advance should you be planning?
0: You know, I think this is a really tricky question, um, and I think it's a tricky question for right now. So I think there's two different answers, all right? So the first answer is going to be (laughs) pre-COVID. The second answer is going to be during COVID. (laughs) Um, So pre-COVID... I would normally plan out my units and I would at least define what are the units that I need to be focusing on for the year. Um, I personally like to plan by units because when I you know, take all of the standards that I need to be working on within that unit. I kind of combine them. So I see, all right, here's what I'm hitting, but then I can also get a very clear understanding of what's the end goal. And then I also kind of track what are the lessons? What's the progression? Like, what is it all going to really end up looking like so that I have a general idea of how the unit is going to going to run. Now, not every unit is going to be absolutely perfect to the where every lesson that you plan out is going to go the way that you want it. Sometimes you might need to take away lessons. Sometimes you might need to add lessons. And it really all depends on your students and how well they're gaining that information. So for the year, I plan out what units I'm teaching. So if I was to say that I'm planning, you know, my reading and writing. I know for writing, I'm going to have a personal narrative, a creative narrative. We're going to have an informational, a research. So when I think about all of those units, then I start to kind of combine all of the standards within that. Now, let's talk about COVID. (laughs) During COVID, I would say that I am kind of doing the same thing. I'm sticking to the units that I have. However, I know that it's going to look different because things are going to be changing. Everything that I'm going to be approaching during this time is not going to look the same. So to be very honest, I feel like right now I'm kind of planning week to week to week to week to week, um, just to kinda a general idea of like how is this week going to go? Are they going to throw something totally new at me? You know, is are they going to tell me, hey, everybody's going to be doing this exact same thing um, together? Uh, right now, we don't have to do that as a district or as a school. You know, we can all kind of plan at our own unit, which is really nice. But they might turn that around and say everybody has to do the exact same thing this year because of, you know, whatever case might end up, it might end up being. So I feel like
1: that's a really hard
0: one to answer right now, but um, I did my best on that.
1: I personally, here's the short answer. I would say about a week, maybe two weeks. And here's what I mean by that. For me personally, my district creates our curriculum. I get a lot of questions like, what curriculum do you use? My district writes curriculum just for my district. And in that curriculum, we already have the units mapped out. We already have the progression of lessons mapped out. So I'm not doing any of that. I'm just taking those lessons and making small adjustments based on my students. So for that, I like to do it a week, maybe two weeks out at a time. I will say, if I do it two weeks out, I'm typically just making the copies, making the slides. But then I'm still going to have to revisit those lessons before that week starts to see if I need to make adjustments. I personally think it's good to get your copies out of the way. And then if you're making slides or you're making any kind of materials the students are going to use, get that done. And then a couple days before you're going to do the lesson or even the night before, just look over your plans and figure out if you need to make adjustments. But that way, the hard work is done. So that's kind of the short answer. And there's not really a right or wrong answer to this. It's just what you prefer. If you're not someone that likes to go in and make changes, you might not be planning very far in advance. But if you're flexible and you're okay making changes, you can plan out further in advance. Hopefully that makes sense.
0: next question is going to be from grade three with Miss T. Um, I like that one. That's what you guys have really good names. Okay. So this question says, what are some digital tools that help you with organization and productivity?
1: Google, Google, Google. <laughs> Listen, I think sometimes we overcomplicate things and we want to have a different app for every different function. And you really don't need that. Find a core set of apps that will allow you to do what you need to do. And I think for Bridget and I, and I you know, kind of pulled Bridget over to the dark side with this, it's Google. And what we love about Google is so many of the apps and things kind of work together. So in terms of organization, absolutely, without a doubt, Google Drive. It is a form of basically like cloud storage that is online. What I love is you can pay to increase your storage if needed. You can create folders and organize all of those digital files. In terms of productivity, I really like Google Keep and Google Tasks and then obviously Google Calendar, but I feel like that one's kind of a given. What I love Google Keep for is creating like reusable checklists. So maybe when I lesson plan, I have a checklist of all the things I need to do. I'm going to keep that in Google Keep. But Google Tasks is used to organize those kind of daily and weekly and monthly to-dos Now, Google Tasks does not have a full screen version. So with Google Keep, you can go to keep.google.com or whatever the URL is. I don't know. We will link it. But that will pull it up in the full screen. Google Tasks, you can only pull up on the side of your screen. So if you're in Google Drive, down in the bottom right-hand corner, there's an arrow. Click it. You'll have a little sidebar, click on Google Tasks, and it will display it there. However, just this week, actually, I went into the Google Chrome add-on extension store thing, and I said, there has to be something that will allow me to use Google Tasks full screen. And there is. I think it was literally called like Google Tasks full screen. That was the name of it. But it will actually allow me to use it full screen, and I have been absolutely loving that. So for me, Google Drive, Google Keep, Google Tasks, Google Calendar.
0: That's a lot of Googles. I felt like you were doing the whole Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice like scenario. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. You have to watch it. It's like one of those. that's a classic. Um, so I agree with Michelle. I think Google is definitely one hands down the best organization um, method. Mainly for me because I would then I was use, utilizing like a ton of different hard drives, flash drives, hard drives, and I would just my my stomach would sink when I we, would realize that I would be at school and I'm like I forgot my hard drive and it was just the worst feeling ever. Um, and then I found that I was saving files all over the place and like one of them would have one name on my computer and there would be a different name on my hard drive and I'm like, but which one is the new one? Um, that during those times that I would forget my hard drives. So, I think Google has definitely helped fix that problem completely. I don't have to worry about that at all. For productivity, I'm going to have to be a little bit of a rebel on this one from Michelle. I do love Google Tasks and I like some of the features of it, but I like to have everything all in one little spot versus me moving it from, you know, different I guess, would you call them apps? They're apps, right? On Google. Um, and so I use our planner. And I am one that I just personally like to write. I like to have it all in one spot. I keep all of my different projects in one little area on there. And that's kind of what I just pull from. And it just makes my heart happy. So I'm I hands down, I've always enjoyed having a digital planner. I've been using it for the past. I mean, what would you
1: say like 2 years, 2-3 two, years? I was going to say 3 cuz I think I've been using it for the last 2 and you've definitely been using it longer. Yeah. I love
0: it. And I and y'all like it's really bad. Like I can sit inside of a meeting and I will start drawing like little little things on my planner and it just makes my heart happy. So it's just one of those things like I enjoy having a digital planner. Um I have mine synced to iCloud so I can access have access to it on my phone and on my iPad, which is really nice. So if I go out and I don't have my, my iPad with me, I can always pull it up on my phone and make changes to it. So I like that. And then for any sort of appointment, um, I have been trying really, really hard to get better at putting it into my calendar um, and to set a reminder about 15 to 20 minutes beforehand because I have the memory of a peanut mouse, whatever, whatever the smallest creature that you can possibly think of. That's my memory. Um, But I like to put any sort of appointments that have like a designated time within
1: that, um, just like my calendar app that
0: I have on my phone. And that's been really helpful.
1: Yeah. And if you have an Apple watch, it will then show up on your watch, which I know for me is super helpful because then I'm Mm -hmm. looking at it all day and it makes it harder for me to forget.
0: Yeah. And I like the little scroll feature where you can then on your calendar be able to look at the and it'll tell you what do you have coming
1: up in the days. It's really nice. Yeah. I'm going to tell a quick story. So Bridget recently shared some apps with me. So she added me as a family member on their like account or whatever. And so I started getting all of their calendar updates and I was like, oh, I need to feed Walter or like it was just really funny to see all of her calendar updates on mine.
0: (laughs) Are you still getting them, by the way? Um, I changed my calendar. No, I'm not. So yeah, you All kicked right. me
1: off. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. But next, we actually have two questions. They kind of go together. So the first question is from the voracious teacher. How do you stay motivated on low slash down slash off days? And the second question is from amber.bock17. What are some ways to keep yourself motivated to complete a big task? So let's talk motivation okay
0: motivation um motivation is one that's really hard for me and i and some of you probably know but for those of you that just don't know out there like i struggle with hashimotos so it's a autoimmune disease that i have and sometimes i can be like really on it and then other times like i have like no motivation at all and it almost kind of puts you in a very depressive state which is really sad like when you think about it but I try to be as happy as I possibly can. Um, But on the days where I feel like my body is just saying I can't do it, I I don't do it. Um, And I, and Michelle knows this, I sleep a lot. Like during those times, I feel like my body just needs to recoup and I just will sleep. And that's just kind of the way that I deal with my motivation. Now, I also realize that when those days where I cannot get my body to function the way that I need it to function and just mentally, it's just not there. I know that things are going to get shifted on my calendar, so I'm going to have to move things around a little bit and I'm going to have to push things. But more than anything, I think I've learned that as the older I, the older I get, the more I really just need to listen to my body and be able to give my body that time to just recoup. Um, so I will sleep I will kind of spend more time with my family. I spend more time just talking with Michelle just as a friend because she's always kind of that person that helps to kind of add a little bit of Energizer Bunny into me. Um, but that's kind of that, that's that's what works
1: for me. And more than anything, it's just because that's the way my body is. So I'm going to give a little bit of tough love because I'm coming from a very different position. I know for me, motivation is is purely mental and it's not something like physical that I'm trying to overcome. Motivation is going to come and go. Discipline is forever. Meaning you can't rely just on motivation because then when you don't have it, you're like not going to get anything done. What you really want to try to develop and rely on is discipline. And discipline is focusing on the bigger picture and knowing that the why behind why you're doing it or the purpose of the task is more important than actually doing it. So even if you don't want to do that task, you're still going to do it and complete it. Now, that's not to say I don't ever like not do things because I'm not feeling motivated. I think it's important to realize what is the reason you're not feeling motivated. Is it just because you don't like to do that task and it's not something you're looking forward to? If that's the case, I'm sorry, suck it up buttercup, use discipline, get it done. But if your motivation isn't there because you're truly like run down, you've had too much on your plate and you need to take a step back, then by all means, take a step back. I actually had a day like that just a few days ago where I got home and Billy could just tell I was in a funk and it's not that I didn't want to work. Actually, it was kind of the opposite. Like I wanted to work, but I had so much anxiety and so much stress that I just couldn't. And so him and I just kind of like laid in bed and talked and we watched some supermarket sweep and I went to sleep. And the next day I felt much, much better. So I think it's important to figure out why are you not feeling motivated? If it's just because you're being a wimp, then I'm sorry, get over it and do it anyway. (laughs) But if it's truly because you need to practice self-care and take time for yourself, then by all means do that. But in terms of a big task, I would just say break it down as much as possible because then it's not as overwhelming Mm -hmm. because you're only doing one little piece at a time.
0: I told you guys that she was like the energizer bunny. She kind of gets your butt in gear. (laughs) All right. So the next question that we have is from ALF021. And the question is, how to stay productive and organized when others may be loading more on your plate?
1: I think the easy answer is to learn how to say no. And I think that's hard. And I think a lot of us tell ourselves, well, no, I can't say no to this person. They're my boss or they're this or they're that. But the reality is you are in control. And if you don't want to add more to your plate, then you need to be upfront and honest with people and explain why you're not wanting to add more to your plate. I know personally, I was coaching Girls on the Run, which is an afterschool running program for girls, and then also Hero Boys, which is kind of a similar program, but for boys. And I was doing both. And that meant like I don't know, four days out of five days of the week, I was helping to run practice for like two hours after school. And this past year, as I was trying to finish my master's degree, I had to say no to Girls on the Run. I said, I'm sorry, I just, I can't do it. And I felt bad, I felt guilty, but the reality is, after I got over that little bit, of, little bit of guilt, I felt so much better because I now had more time to spend doing the things that I needed to do and the things that I wanted to do. So learn how to say no. And if it's something you truly don't want to do, don't commit to it. I, I can't add any more to that
0: because that is what I completely agree with. Just say no. It gets really It's a really good feeling once you're able to say no to people.
1: Wasn't that one of the drug campaigns back in like the 90s? It was like the Just Say No. Dare. Dare. Isn't yeah, Was that, that part dare? of Dare? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I was too little at the time to know what drugs really were, so.
0: Oh, well, fun fact. I won a dare contest at Ooh. my school what, when I was What was a little the contest? Girl. We had to write something. I should know this, but I had to write something and I won and it was cool apparently because I still remember it. I don't remember what I got, but I do remember that I won. So that's
1: exciting. I won a like Smokey the Bear, you know, who was against like wildfires or whatever. There was a contest where you had to design a poster and I ended up winning that. Same thing. I don't remember what I won, but I know I have a picture of me holding up my little poster. (laughs) Yeah. So the next question is from Emily P, but Emily has three E's. So it's like E-E-M-L-E-P. <laughs> Emily asks, what self-care practices boost your productivity in your experience? I
0: think for me, more than anything, some self-care things are just going to be your basics. I like to spend time with family. I like to veg on the couch and watch things. However, I can't do like TV series. Does that make sense? Like, you get I-, I can't in. do a TV. I get too sucked in and then I just so I don't do that um, and I just don't think I have the attention span to be able to do a ton of series anymore. I felt like when I was younger I was really able to like get sucked into them. Now I always feel like once I get into like the second or third episode I'm like all right well I gotta do stuff like I can't just like sit here I gotta go do stuff um, and I it always kind of gets me excited to go back into it. Y'all this is gonna sound really really dumb. Are you ready? I'm ready. You can't judge me. I might. So one of the things that I really like to do that kind of boosts my productivity is that I will watch YouTube or listen to a a, a like a, a podcast or an audiobook. But YouTube is like by far my favorite. And it's like the weirdest thing because I can watch like YouTube episodes or videos and they're like cleaning or they're organizing something. And that gets me excited. Like it makes me want to go out and like do stuff. Like I get really like pumped watching other people plan things. Like it might not have anything to do with teaching, but watching them plan something. I'm like, oh, all right, let's go plan something. Let's go do work. I'm really, really into this. But I think it also like it just makes me feel all the fuzzies. Like I feel good after it and I feel re-energized and refreshed and ready to
1: get back, get back at it. So you do realize there are some people out there doing that with our podcast, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. That's a good thought.
0: Hopefully it does make them really excited to go back and start doing some work though. <laughs> yeah. I'm going
1: to cross my fingers. I definitely think it does. I'll be honest. I go back and listen to her podcast sometimes and it, it helps to motivate me. I think personally, I really like to work out and that's a combination of going for walks and then also going to the gym. And I know personally, once I go, even though I'm physically tired, I feel like my productivity is. Just on fire, and I end up coming home, and I'm like, I'm gonna clean up the living room, and I'm gonna start dinner, and I'm gonna go shower, and and I just start doing all of the things. I think it's the boost of endorphins. You know, they make you happy, and happy people don't kill their husbands.
0: (laughs) Isn't that from? It's never legally blonde. Yes,
1: yes, I love it so much. And then I would also say watching like Netflix or or YouTube videos, but I do it in a different way than Bridget, although I totally get what she's saying. I do sometimes watch fitness videos before going to the gym cuz it'll be like strong motivation for me. But I will promise myself if I finish my power list, then I can watch an episode of Grey's Anatomy tonight or I can watch an episode of Survivor. So I use it to boost my productivity by having it motivate me to get my work done so that I can do something that I enjoy. I love it. Okay. So the next question is going to be from
0: Russell RMC. Uh, And the question is, is how do you deal with that one coworker who really drags down your productivity?
1: First of all, Russell, hi, how are you doing? Russell is a longtime follower. (laughs) He's a great guy. So in terms of coworkers dragging down productivity, I think you have to decide first, do you enjoy talking to them or not? Because let's be honest, we all have coworkers that we get dragged in talking to and we're like, I really just want to go to my room. And then we have the coworkers who we are talking to them and we're thoroughly enjoying it, right? Like we're ranting about things or we're talking about things we enjoy and it's it's a fun experience. So if it's that person who you don't want to be talking to, I think it's okay if you start the conversation and you say, look, I only have five minutes and then I have to go do this thing. Or if you don't want to initiate the conversation at all, go in your room and close the door. And, you know, it may seem like you're being rude, but in reality, it's like, hey, I'm working. And maybe you even make a sign that says, like, hey, you know, sorry, I'm I'm in my work mode. If it's that coworker who you enjoy talking to, but let's be honest, it sucks away a lot of your time. In that case, kind of like I was mentioning with having a TV show help to motivate you, have that be your motivation. It's like, hey, if I get all of my to-dos done, then I can go talk to this coworker for 15, 20, 30 minutes, however much time you can allot. And that way it's your motivation to help get stuff done so you can still enjoy that time with that person. You know, I think this is one that was something that I really had to work on
0: and develop over the years because you would kind of walk down the hall to drop your kids off like at lunch or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you see somebody and, you know, and you start talking to them and it's like, oh my gosh, I really have so many things that I need to be doing right now. But, you know, I don't want to be rude. I think at one point, like at some point, we all just need to realize It's okay to tell that coworker, hey, I really want to talk with you right now, but I have so many things that I have got to get done, but we will catch up later. And that's the trick to keeping your relationships with your coworkers is that you tell them this politely, but then you follow up and you send them a text message, an email, whatever it is, and just say, hey, we stopped in the hall. I wasn't able to chat, but I am really curious. How did such and such, you know, all go and just really kind of build that relationship but at the same time you know prioritize making sure that you're getting things done and that you're making the most of your your planning time so
1: I completely uh, that's kind of what I think with all that so before we move on to the last question I'm just going to throw this out there and you all are probably going to think I'm horrible I am not an overly social person and Uh, developing relationships with people. It's not a strong suit of mine. I mean, once I'm good friends with someone like Bridget, like I'm fine, but that initial starting of the relationship, not my best, you know, feature. One thing I do, and this is probably awful, but I feel like I always try to carry something in the hallway, like a, a piece of paper or my iPad or whatever, so that if I'm walking down the hallway and like I see someone and I don't want to have a conversation because I'm also just moody sometimes and don't want to talk. I will look at that piece of paper or that iPad like it is the most interesting thing in the world and I'll make it seem like I'm reading something or I'm like in the middle of doing something so they don't initiate conversations. I'm sorry. I'm just throwing it out there because I think we all have you know, those moments where either we don't want to talk or maybe there's, you know, like I said, someone who you just don't really get along with, but they'd love to talk to you. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there as a strategy. Listen, I completely
0: understand that. And I And it kind of, here's where I'm coming from on this. Okay. Because I think Michelle, I was a lot like you in that I didn't like to have conversations with people. One, I didn't really know how to have conversations with people. Um, I didn't know what to ask. I didn't know how to carry on an intriguing conversation. Like That was just really difficult for me. Um, And my teaching partner that passed away a little over a year ago now, um, she was always really good at always knowing everything that was kind of happening in the school. But she would often tell me like she doesn't really have like the connections. And I remember like as she was really really sick, I I asked her. I said I, I can't like how am I supposed to? you know, go on. Like, I, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. You know, I don't know how to build this. And she was like, you just need to listen. You need to listen to people. And she goes, let them do the talking and you just listen. And so I try to incorporate that in my day to know that building relationships is important because, it, like, you know, it's that's what we do that we're it's all about the relationships that we have in our in our school, the climate, the culture, you know, the, the having discussions and and being able to show kids and model for kids how to build those relationships. And it's a challenge like it is hard um, and I don't necessarily enjoy it all that much, but I know that it's important and I know it's a skill that I am definitely trying to continuously improve every single year. But yeah, if you really
1: are having a day just carry your iPad with you. Do what Michelle does. All right. Last question is from color coded English class. What to do about things you can't control. Example, admin comes in and asks for report info ASAP throwing off your plan, especially if team lead happens a lot. So as the team lead, I can totally attest to this. It does happen a lot. So Bridget, what do you do when those things kind of throw off your plan?
0: You know, I think a lot of the time when it comes to um just your administration, I think we have to be kind of ballsy. I don't know like is that the right word to to use? But I will just ask, hey, is this something that you need to have right now? Or can I give this to you in just a little bit? Because right now I have to get ready for my class that it's gonna be coming in in five minutes. um, And just ask, I mean, what's the worst that they're gonna say? No, like, and if they say no, just say, hey, I like, I understand that you need this right now. I'm gonna go pick up my students and then I'm gonna get it to you as soon as I possibly can. But like right now I can't. We all have to recognize that we're all professionals. you are going to treat your principal, your administration with respect and, and as a professional, and that's what you would want them to do in return. Um, so I have been very fortunate in the fact that my administrations that I've had in, you know, in both schools that I've been at have been wonderful. And so I'm able to really just say, you know, Is this something that I can get for you in a minute? Because I have students that I'm working with and those are my priority during the school day. Um, And more often than not, like they say, absolutely. So I think that's just kind of how I approach it. What about you, Michelle?
1: I love the idea of just asking and and being completely honest with people and and even saying, look, I have a lot on my plate right now, but I will get this done as soon as I can because I know it's important to you. But one thing I would add in, we mentioned having a power list. So a list of three things you're going to get done every day. And this is where leaving one of those items open. Or if your power list is three things that you can get done relatively quickly, it's okay to add to that list if needed. But if you leave one of those elements open, then it allows for that flexibility. So if things do come up that you weren't expecting, it's fine. Put it on your power list. And you're not really adding to your plate because you were planning on doing three things anyway. And that's why I love to have a weekly to-do list. So it's kind of a list of all the things I need to get done by the end of the week. So that way, If I do my two power list items and one is open and nothing comes up, it's fine. I'm just going to pick something else from my weekly to-do list. But if there is something that comes up that I can't really control and it throws off my plan, it's fine. It's really just taking that third item of the power list and that way I don't feel quite as overwhelmed with it.
0: All right, guys. So that is it. Those are all of your productivity questions. Uh, Be sure to stay up to date and check out our website. We have a a workshop right now that are available, three workshops and one that's including a bundle to really help you in becoming the top teacher that you want to be this year. These are only going to be available until the 13th of September. So make sure that you head over there and grab them now. And also, did you hear did you know we have a digital planner? Michelle and I have combined our two amazing organizational powers and we are finally giving you the perfect planner. I truly do believe that this is the perfect planner. So head on over to teachingonthedouble.com and check out the planner in our workshops today.
1: And for all of our top podcast listeners, because we love you all so much and we appreciate your support, we do have a discount code you can use on our digital planners. You can use code PODCAST20 in order to save 20% on a planner of your choice. We do have several different planners. We have landscape orientation, portrait orientation, Google Slides, PDF. We have different school year versus calendar year. So pick out your favorite planner. Use code PODCAST20 in order order to save 20%. And while you're on our website, go ahead and submit your TSH or time sucking hurdle, especially now as we kind of navigate this new normal that is existing within the field of education. And some of us are teaching at home. Some of us are in the classroom. Some of us are doing both. Let us know what is really sucking away your time. And we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help us be able to get into the ears of more teachers and they bring big smiles to Bridget and I's faces. So we would love to hear your thoughts on our podcast.
0: So until next time,
1: guys. Be timely. Stay organized. And be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.